Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, and that Technicolor rainbow in between. It's us. We're back. The Too Late Update podcast, the only podcast that brings you news from so long ago that it's depressing if you were like a teenager at the time because now you're like, oh, I'm sad and I'm old and my back hurts and my kidneys are a problem and my feet starting to smell and other problems with age effectively start happening. Matt, are you just are you just describing onset diabetes? <laughs> How bad is this teenager age that their kidneys are failing? Uh, I mean, the teenager has aged into me, so... Yeah. You you weren't a teenager when this episode was recorded. I hate to break it to you. I'm, when this episode was recorded? No, no, when, when with the episode we're doing, you were not a teenager. No, uh, no I wasn't. No, You were very much no, not I a teenager at this no, point. No, I wasn't a teenager. That's That makes me even older. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yes. Well done, Ken, Matt. That's how time oh, works. It's a, it does oh, explain yeah. that this teenager you're talking about in 2007 that's had like has kidney diameter. I mean, dialysis. He, he, <laughs> that one's not doing very well. Whoever that is, that guy's fucking. They, up. they gave that teenager lived on a diet of Prime. <laughs> yeah, and that energy drink. That energy drink made by YouTubers. Yeah. That kids buy for whatever reason. Um, okay. I mean, to be fair, to be fair though, 2007 was 16 years ago, so he could have been like a teenager, and they would be reason like you know wouldn't be. If I was 10 years younger, I'd have been a teenager. If you know, if you're 13, which is the youngest you could be as a teenager, you'd still be 29. Yeah. Yeah. I think all of our so all those things. All those things could have happened to you. You could have discovered you had a serious health problem, which would have led to all those things. It's not. Unfortunately, this is much worse because what we've now realised is that 2007 is in fact long enough ago, but it could have been a teenager, and you could still have deteriorated to the point Matt was explaining. Yeah, yeah. that's how long ago 2007 You'd was. You'd be really so, unlucky, guys. When we do the new format, shall we just crack on? No, no, no. What I think we should do. <laughs> Is we should explain time <laughs> and maths to people. You started it with your incorrect thinking. I mean, you're a yeah, teenager. I, I put my hand up to that. I think what's more important that people know about the new format is that Kev is not eating an ice cream. He's eating an ice lolly, which is different. <laughs> They're different. See, it's all different, even though it's Look. barely different. Um, cool. I'm not sure we've quite got to the bottom of this 2017 stuff. Let's no, get a no, that's... And the four. <laughs> He's got a flipboard. We'll, 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 work, we'll, work, we'll work it out. <laughs> I enjoyed last episode when you were when you were naked instead of this. Yeah, this that was that was preferable. <laughs> um, yeah, today's episode we are going to be talking about September of 2007, which is uh, yeah. Um, so we discussed that. We've discussed that. We don't need to go over that. Hodge, would you like to take us through the news of September? The first of September in two thousand and seven, the Eurovision Dance Contest is held in London. You'd have thought I looked up who won, but I, I didn't. Either, either um, that didn't last very long, or nobody cares, <laughs> and I, I can't decide which one. I think both. Yeah. Yeah, because I put that in there. And I read it as Eurovision, even though it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Eurovision Dance Contest is held in London. Nobody cares. Uh, the Gaming Act of 1845 is repealed, meaning that for the first time in more than 150 years, gambling debts can be enforced by the courts. Oh. Interesting. 
It's good though because there's no gambling advertising ever anywhere. No, especially not when you're watching football no. or sport. No, gamble, no. gamble. When the fun ends, when the fun stops, stop. It's all about the in-play. Um, like, like all addictions, when it stops being fun, just stop. stop. Easy. That's Easy. what all the drug addicts um, do. They just stop when it stops being fun. They just stop. Yeah, just yeah. stop. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the 10th of September. Television entertainer Michael Barrymore is told he will not face charges in connection with the death of Stuart Lubbock. The man who was found dead in a swimming pool at his house more than six years ago. It took quite a long time to decide he wasn't going to face any charges, didn't he? Yeah, it? it did. Yeah. It's almost like, although he may not be the direct cause of his death, he was probably responsible for the person's safety whilst in his house, isn't it? It's a bit like that. Allegedly. Yeah. Cool. 15th September. Rally driver Colin McRae and three other people are killed when their helicopter crashes near Lanark. Wow, that was, I remember this. I, I remember yeah. this happening. Yeah, this was very sad. sad. Yeah, I remember a lot of um, tasteless jokes about the uh, Colin McRae rally game for that year being of a different tone. Yeah, and they're still tasteless, so let's move on. <laughs> yep. Uh, 26th of September. The appointment of Gordon Brown as Prime Minister and the manner in which he subsequently deals with the various crises over July and August, the discovery of two car bombs in London, Glasgow airport attack, floods, foot and mouth, etc., appears to have been well received with voters as a Maury poll puts Labour at 48% with a 20-point lead over the Conservatives, sparking media reports that Brown will call an early general election within the next few weeks, which would form a term of Parliament until the end of 2012. What I like about this, right, the way this is written, is uh, how it goes. So, the manner in which he deals with various crises such as the discovery of two car bombs in London, makes it sound like he's personally got out there and sorted it out. Um, well, yeah, maybe he did. He was, he, <laughs> yeah. he was a, well, he, he, Gordon Brown was the best Prime Minister that's been in my lifetime, like, easily. Um, this was a bit of a sliding doors moment, because I wonder, had he gone for the election, I, I wonder if things might have been very different. And, well, unfortunately, Biggitgate killed him, didn't it? It really did. It, it, it did. Because uh, yeah, which but one was that? He still, I think, seats wise, he's he did he's done he did the best of any Labour election since because he had because the the what the expectation in two thousand ten was that the Tories would get a majority, whereas yeah. Labour hung on hung on to enough seats that there was a hung Parliament. Everyone was like, well, the Lib Dems and Labour will team up, but little did they know that that was not going to happen because Nick Clegg likes to destroy yeah. the country. The... Um, well, I'm sorry, but the 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 bigger gate killed. Bigot. How big was this yeah, gate? He called a he called a old woman a bigger. Old... Yeah. Uh, I mean, not incorrectly, from what I remember. Now that you've reminded me what it was. Yeah, she. I don't know what she said to him, but he was caught on tape saying he was. The thing is, like nowadays, that's. I, I mean, the, I tune the toy part to just go around calling people stuff all the time, but like that was an actual <laughs> scandal. Like, oh, you. <laughs> It's it's amazing to think about now because uh, an old lady said something along the lines of "Who's going to stop all these immigrants swarming over here?" He then said, uh, with an with a mic still attached, "Oh, who put me in? You know, on the street on camera with that awful bigot?" And you know, it, people went rightly went. That's not okay. You can't just call a, a member of the public a bigot and and expect to get away with it. And then you've got you know. Um, Boris telling people to go back to Ongo Bongo land and stuff like that. Like and that but that's fine. Well that's fine. Crazy. Mm. Okay. Mm. Um 
Yeah, I, right. I, I wonder what the multiverse where um, he had called that election in 2007 would have been like. Mm. Uh, Labour would have written... He would have ridden out the financial crisis enough that I think probably the Tories would have got in, but I think the public finance would be a lot better. We wouldn't have had as bad austerity, but we'll, we'd never know. We'll never know. We, we we can only live in the timeline that we've got. Yeah, sadly. Um, the worst timeline. The worst timeline for... There's always worse, Yeah, true. That's a remarkable thing about life and timelines. Things are never so bad, they can't <laughs> be worse. True. I mean... Like we haven't had thermonuclear war this afternoon. Yeah, that's that's so things aren't that bad. Um, right. So, on, on the freshly optimistic from you, Matt. I know. Um, on the lighter side, we've got some uh, really great video games to talk about. Um, just before we crack on, anyone be playing any good games recently as well? I have. I have too many games. I have we, too many games. We all have too many games. There's too many games come out. Um, yeah, I'm still cracking on with Final Fantasy 16, uh, 14 um, to the point where I can stop paying the subscription because I'm I'm on Endwalker now. Um, right. So I'm towards the end. Um, I saw a really hot. There was a horrible scene last night where you were helping like this race of elephantine people, and uh, the bad guys are using like these kind of races to summon bad things to con- to wipe out the world, and you just saw this elephant person being sucked into this thing to. Some of the thing, like the look on its face, was like, "Help me! Don't let me go in there!" It's like, "Wow, it's got dark quite quickly." Nelly the elephant packed a trunk and trumbled off to the vortex. Is Final Fantasy fourteen okay? <laughs> does it need? <laughs> does it need a help? Off she went with her trumpety trump. Trump, Trump. I saw the poor thing's face in the thing, like, I'm so sad. Well, that is what you've... So you have to talk about the elephant person in the room, yeah. who's no longer in the room. <laughs> that was my attempt at humour there. Um, you were pleased with that, was, weren't you? I was very pleased. <laughs> um, Hodge? Um, I, I, my, my current favourite thing to at the moment is wait, waiting for my daughters to finish playing something and then just like sweeping up the last couple of um, trophies to get the easy plans. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> which is why if you if you were to look at my PlayStation profile, you would see that we achieved the platinum for my friend Peppa Pig about one o'clock yesterday. Morning. Right, okay. What do you have to do for for platinum? Do you have to call the daddy pig a dickhead five times or something like that? Is that it? Oh, Peppa's a horrible little shit, isn't she? <laughs> um, I've only seen a bit of it, but yeah. Oh, it's, it's 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 more walking simulator than a walking simulator. It's like so incredibly basic, and it's it's barely a game to be honest. Why were you up so, to one? Why were you up? Really why were you up to one AM playing doing it though? Oh, well, to be fair, I was at some one o'clock playing hey. Pikmin, and then before I came to bed, I thought I'll just do that last trophy. It'll only fair take enough. me five minutes. <laughs> he had the itch, the trophy itch. You were just sort of like um, lying in bed, going, "I could be playing Peppa Pig right now." He was. Cannot sleep. <laughs> he's playing. He's playing Pikmin, but he's secretly like. I can't wait till she fucking gets off it, so I can start, so I can start my no deaths Peppa Pig run and get that cheeky plat. Um, 
The... I've also started Sea of Stars, which is is. I've good. heard nothing but good things about that game. Yeah. yeah, I'm not very far in it, but it's yeah, it's very it's, good. Uh, again, people are comparing it to Chrono Trigger, which is uh, very good. Yeah. Chrono Trigger with a kind of Mario RPG style battle. Oh, system. really? It's got that active combat thing. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, I like where they put it. They put it as um, if you get the timing right. It's you need to look at it as a bonus, not as a failure if you don't do it. That's good. Yeah, I quite like that because in, in the in the Mario games you have to get it right or you just won't win. Yeah, it's assumed it assumes you've got it yeah. down. Cool. Uh, and I've I've been playing um, Armored Core Six and Baldur's Gate Three, and you know Armored Core Six is a FromSoft game, so of course it has been royally kicking my ass. And um, Baldur's Gate Three is of course a uh, Dungeons and Dragons game, so it has been royally kicking my ass. <laughs> um, although that's just a lot of that is just luck because it's like, oh, I'm going to roll high for the nope, you've got a natural one, so everyone in the camp now thinks you're a dickhead. Okay, excellent. But uh, no, really, really very much enjoying both of those at the minute. Baldur's Gate 3 is frankly astounding. It's yeah, it, it seems yeah, to have um, stolen Starfield's thunder a little bit. Also, uh, I, mm. I mean, like, I think Starfield's probably the more popular game, but I think people critically are talking about Baldur's Gate a lot more. Yeah, I, I think... It's because yeah. it's just better. I, I think it's because... It's, I think, having not played it, but... In terms of its storytelling, from what I can tell, uh, Starfield is very much that, you know, Skyrim fallout in space, which, if you want that, is great, but it, Baldur's Gate is just, yeah, it's it's fantastic and... I think. Sorry, I know I know we're going on here a bit, but while you're on the subject of Starfield, I've not played much of it. But can we always agree that Bethesda character models are just horrible, gawkish monsters? Uh, yeah, they haven't they haven't updated them since 2007, so they look. NPCs never look good. They always look bad. Uh, I mean, that there've been some comparisons to its most recent sort of what well, people are comparing it a lot to actually to Cyberpunk, like how Cyberpunk is now. And there's stuff like hmm. if you open fire in a city street, everyone just sort of looks at you like you've just dropped a crisp packet. Whereas in Cyberpunk, if you open a fire in a city street, people get the fuck out of there because someone's just opened fire in a busy city street. So um, I think I think I think there's plenty of people who are having fun with Starfield, and that's fantastic. But I think releasing near Baldur's Gate three has definitely hurt it because. It's it's basically like you know it's basically like someone's uh, introduced I don't know like the final cake off uh, Great British Bake Off right and that, we've all had that we've all seen it we've all had a chance to marvel at it and then someone bought in the cake that they bought off the shelf at Tesco which is fine it's a fine cake there's nothing wrong with that cake that they bought in from Tesco but holy shit did you see that cake over there. This is how I understand video games now. It's about cake. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so, Hodge, what cake have you chosen? I mean, video game. Video game. <laughs> I have chosen Donkey Kong, Jungle Climber for the DS. Oh, okay. Did either of you play this? Nope. I may have done. Uh, this was back when sometimes you got to play a lot of the three DS games. For some reason, yeah, <laughs> it was. So it's 
You know, you know how sometimes Nintendo's can't help themselves but mess around with the formula? This is one of those games. They've got, yeah, Donkey Kong Country's really good and all, but what if, instead of controlling Donkey Kong like a normal person, what if he was stuck in a kind of weird motion, weird position, and you used the L and R buttons to swing him round and grab hold of a series of pegs, and if you let go of all the pegs, you went catapulting through the air like a swinging monkey lunatic. Okay. <laughs> that's what that's what DK Jungle Climber is. Is this a bit like one of those games that like should have been made for an earlier console, basically? Like, <laughs> I don't even think that. I just don't. I mean, it's just a very strange control system which works for what it is, but it's also just a bit weird. Like, I say, use the L and R buttons to swing DK left and right. No, you don't. Use each L and R button controls a hand, yeah. and he's always kind of swinging. And when you press a button, you grab hold of a peg. Right. And then you swing around that peg until you grab hold of another peg. And then you stay still. And then you let go of the hand and you start swinging around the hand that's still holding onto a peg. Oh, okay. And if you let go, you'll sort of catapult off in whatever way you were swinging at the time. Ah, right. So it's it's like a rhythm climbing game type thing. No, there's no rhythm. Well, all right. No rhythm. <laughs> There's no, rhythm. Okay. There's no rhythm. No rhythm. Just a series of pegs and a swinging monkey. Okay. I believe title that was the, the tagline. Title name of the episode right there. <laughs> a series of peg and a swinging monkey. All right. Okay. That's <laughs> um, yeah, all right. Fair enough. Uh, Kev, what have you got for us? I went full pretentious in this one. I went with Eternal Sonata. Have either of you, have either of you played this game? Nope. I've played some of them. So it's a JRPG. Uh, uh-huh. based around the work of uh, Frederick Chopin. Oh, okay. I've said, yeah, Frederick Chopin. Um, yeah, it it's fairly pretentious based on that, but I really liked it. It was um, so you you're basically playing a game where it's what Chopin is dreaming of on his deathbed. Right. Um, okay. And each chapter of the game is based on a uh, composition of his. They sort of do a. This is the. This is the. This is the composition. This is what it's about. And then the the chapter, the aesthetic reflects that. So okay. All... I think I think I've got some vague, uh, vague recollections of this because I think it was done by the people who did the Romancing Saga games. Maybe. Yeah. It was. It's Bandai Namco yeah. who published it. Um, oh, okay. Uh, developer Tri Crescendo. It was published by Bandai Namco. Um, yeah. It was one of the early JRPGs that came out on the uh, PS3 Xbox generation. I think it came to Xbox first, actually, because when they, they had a time where they were trying to court the Japanese market, so we're like, picking up loads of um, JRPGs. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I just remember this is really, really loving this game. It's um, sort of like one of those, they started doing at the time, sort of faux turn-based, in that you would have a period of time where you could do a certain amount of actions, then your character would stop. Um, right. But you would move around rather than it being menu-based. So you'd move around, do the actions. Um, so obviously if you were healing, you would step back, heal characters, and move away from the enemies. Whereas if you were attacking, you'd go and attack as much as you could. Um, ah, okay. Makes sense. Fights took place in little domes. Um, but yeah, it was more the aesthetic and the sort of the storyline about... Uh, although I can't remember it very well. Again, it was 2007. And as we were discussing earlier, it's a long time ago. Um, 
can't remember too much of the story, but I just remember really enjoying it. And I think it's one of those cult games that came out early in a console generation that people sort of forget now. But I think if you looked at like top JRPGs on PS3 or Xbox, this would definitely be on the list. Probably barely high. Yeah. yeah. I enjoyed yeah, what I played I, a bit. I, it's a good, it's a good um, yeah, concept. Yeah, it's the type of thing. I'd quite like it if they re-release it on the Switch now. So mm-hmm. It feels like perfect to put it out on the Switch because, you you know, for, I think we talk about like game, games like this are better for Switch because you've got that portable element. You can take it and like when you're doing train journeys and things like that, you've got something to get your teeth into until the battery yeah. runs out. But. I watched someone recently, just uh, slightly on topic, slightly off topic. I watched someone recently play um, Final Fantasy VI uh, on the Super Nintendo on a on a sort of a, a stream, yeah. and the one thing that um, I'd forgotten about that game is how difficult it can be in terms of like if you actually die and you haven't saved in a couple of hours, yeah. you're going back to the last time you saved. Yeah. <laughs> so Aww. so you better have remembered. So uh, the guy got to the the guy got to the bit where the world in the world split in half. Yeah. If you remember that yeah. bit. And uh, then started the the first part of chapter two. Went wandering around the map as Sellers for a bit. Ran into a monster that killed him. Was all the way back at the save point before the end of the world and all that jazz. Like, wow, someone's having to watch a lot of cutscenes again. So, uh, yeah. Sorry, so I guess they weren't playing the SNES Online version then, because I assume you've got save states on that, have you? Uh, I, I think they do, uh, but I don't think he did. Uh, uh, yeah, I think yeah, I think he just forgot. Yeah. Um, I remember when I played Earthbound through on that, and like occasionally you just forget, like, oh yeah, I can't, I can save this yeah. at any point, and then just like, oh, it's been thirty minutes, and I forgot. Oh no, I'm dead. Yeah, well, I, I, the one thing I do remember is uh, Zelda: Ocarina of Time. It's like pretty much any time you paused, I ended up saving the game, almost by like that one. But uh, yeah. Cool. That sounds like a good game, Kev. I will see if I can check that out somewhere. I reckon. I wonder if it is available on something now, if you can find it. We should have a look. Um, my game is a much simpler pick, but one I'm pretty sure most... I don't know if everyone's played it, but we, we certainly have, I think. Halo 3! I have played it. Yeah, I talked about this uh, in my top 10 first-person shooters, didn't I? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, it's Halo 3. It is, uh, like... One of, if not the best, Halo game for the Xbox 360. Um, you know, uh, it's certainly the best Master Chief-focused Halo game. Let's put it that way. You might not need to put in the qualifier on the Xbox 360 there, Matt. That's true. Yeah. Um, I think the only like the only game you could argue is probably like ODST or Halo Reach. And I would say this has the better campaign than ODST and the better multiplayer than Halo Reach. So... That's kind of why it's my my pick. I this game is brilliant. It's really good. It's one of the only Halo games I've played through multiple times, and just even the one I decided to go through on the what was it the legendary difficulty, which to be fair is a lot of hiding behind rocks and waiting for grenades to explode. But <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, is is a really good like it's this game is fantastic and like little bits and pieces of this game that just stick in my memory like the opening shot where you just fall from space and you just tank that because you're the master chief and your suit takes all the damage and then you you know you go through the jungle with the arbiter from the from the second game and he's just like yeah we're bros now so if you're playing co-op i'm your best bud it's like yes yes this is what we want 
um, and then you know, like other little things like the um, uh, the title chapters of the game are really fun and interesting. Like when the flood reach Earth, the title chapter's called "Oh, it just followed me home," <laughs> which always sticks in my memory for, some, <laughs> for whatever reason. Now this game's fantastic. Um, it really uh, like it. It took the elements of what Halo One and Halo Two sort of hinted at, but were limited by you know the original Xbox. And then went, okay, now let's do it where you can just go through an entire level on a warthog and drive through. and uh, uh, Not open world, but you know what I mean, a semi-open world with different yeah, paths I, and stuff like that. It, I think, yeah, so, so I, I yeah. remember like one, specifically one bit, There's a, you, you arrive at a big battle, there's tanks on both sides, and it's sort of like, how yeah. do you want to do this? I want to get one yeah. of the, the uh, what's the enemies called? Covenants flying things and yeah. go around and shooting things and then i want to get a tank and it's like yeah there's no there's no like you you know in call of duty games where you tend to have uh you have to shoot a bunch of enemies then move to another cover point and that's your checkpoint there's none yeah. of that is there it's just this is an area and then you get through this and you do it how you want to do it yes yeah. um the i remember that like this was probably the biggest hyped game of the generation up to this point wasn't it I don't know if it's been superseded, but I think it was the highest-selling entertainment product of all time on its release. I, well, Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, it will be. It will. De- yeah, it will definitely be Grand Theft Auto now. But it would. It was the highest one at the time, at least. Definitely. Because it, it, it was the. Because they sort of. Isn't the thing they Halo Two? They didn't finish it. Um, so they they had to abruptly end it, and this was the this was the thing that people have been hyped about for like three years. Yeah, yeah. Halo 2 is like the Matrix Revolutions or the Pirates of the Caribbean 2 where you go, hang on, that's not that's not the end. <laughs> like, um, yeah. I mean, now a three-year turnaround would seem incredibly yeah, quick, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Yeah, but uh, that's I think that's the thing with games development. They they go on for longer. There's, there's a lot more moving parts. Um, you could argue some of it is unnecessary, I think. Because I don't think a lot of the moving parts go into things that you would want them to go into, like gameplay. I think sometimes the moving parts go into, how do we monetize the absolute shit out of this? Um, <laughs> case in point, Ubisoft, uh, what's it called? Skull and Bones, the pirate game, that they launched like the year yeah. after, but they announced it the year after Black Flag. Still not out, and it's probably not out this year. <laughs> so... And, and that's not, and you can tell they are not refining the gameplay. They are, they are trying to work out how we can fucking sell shit to people. So there we go. I will. Um, while you're talking, about, I will give Halo Infinite one um, prop for where it handles battle passes. You know how like each season you get a different battle pass, but on Halo Infinite it lets you decide which of your battle passes you want to put your XP towards. So once the season's ended, you don't lose that battle pass or rewards you didn't get. Yep, okay. Which I think is a, a good way of doing it. I think the problem with that system is that it requires you to play Halo Infinite multiplayer. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I think that's the... Well, is that? But I mean, if you're going to do battle passes, that seems like a good yeah, way of doing it. Yeah, it's fine. I'm, I'm just being facetious and a dickhead for fun and profit. Actually, so there's no profit in this. There's no profit. It's just for fun. You could play Halo 3 multiplayer. I can, yeah. Master Chief uh, Collection still, still available, and it's fixed now, unlike launch. So yeah, this was the first, the first Halo I played oh, okay. was Halo Three. Oh, you start off well, yeah, cool, right. 
we shall move on to our next topic, which is uh, music. And uh, anyone, anyone been into any good gigs? Listen to any decent albums recently? I know, Kev, you've obviously just you, you went to Arctangent, and we've got an episode up about that. So go check a check a look, as the children say. I, uh, they don't say that. last week I went to see Spanish Love Song support Hot Mulligan. Ah. Um, Spanish Love Hot Mulligan sounds rude. Yeah, I'll well, get into that. So, Spanish, <laughs> Spanish, obviously, Spanish Love Songs, you and me both love them. Um, they were really yeah. good. But, so Hot Mulligan, on record, sound, they're, they're not, not as emotional as Spanish Love Songs, but they're, they're not far away. They're an emotional punk band. Yeah. Some people in the crowd uh, were like, when Spanish Love Songs were like, oh, it's not proper punk, it's too emotional. I, um, I, so, yeah. right, but one of them was... Like a South African guy wearing a Blink One Eight Two T-shirt, and I'm like, "You're wearing a Blink One Eight Two T-shirt in 2003, and you're saying things are proper punk, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? What? Well, hang on a minute. I I don't think that's oh, there because like he might not like his he might not like their new stuff. <laughs> might be basing it on his old stuff. But you can say that a lot of bands that people will wear shirts on, but the band it's not so much now. their shit. And you go the, well, I don't like. One of them's going out with a Kardashian. You can't like have a go at their punk. Well, I don't think that's. Oh, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute, Kev. That, that's definitely what? not on to start with. Just crying, someone saying not proper punk because they're going out with someone you don't well, like. Just what what I mean is, like, you can't <laughs> on. say someone a band doesn't have punk credentials, and your 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 point reference is Blink One Eight Two in two thousand three. I'm 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 with Kev on yeah. this one. I'm, I'm not saying Kev. that. I'm I mean, not saying that Blink One Eight Two's old stuff's invalidated or anything. You know, they, they released great pop-punk songs in 1999 to about 2005. Um, but I just, like, if you're wet, you know, if, if someone was wearing, like, you know, a... Um, New York Dolls. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, I was trying to think of yeah. a more modern band. But, you know, you know what I mean. Like a, something a bit rancid t-shirt. I'd be like, right, if you, if you don't like the emotional punk stuff, that's fine. But, you know. I mean, I, I was, I was, I'm more quite surprised as anyone to sort of... Because I never think of Spanish love songs as punk. I don't think they're that's their... emotional punk. I... Uh, this this yeah, is where you uh, get into is some punk or you moan. Um, okay. But right. yeah, but, but Hot Mulligan <laughs> on records don't say... give them a listen, see what you think. They're a little bit more pop punk than Spanish love songs. Um, right. But on stage, they come across like um, not very original, unfunny versions of bands like Bowling for Soup. Oh, okay. Um, so their their thing is like, oh, I look mm. at, I've got sweaty, I've got sweat around my crotch. Looks like I've pissed my pants. Ha 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 ha. Um, yeah. Oh oh. Um, like their song, I I like their songs. I think they're on record a pretty good band. But like th- that's the kind of thing they were going for. But um, yeah, I, the banter they had between songs was a bit annoying. Um, Maybe they've been taken to one side by No Effects, and No Effects was like, you know what you need are. to do, right? You need to do stuff <laughs> that would have only been mildly funny to frat boys in the year yeah. two th- in the mid two thousands, and do it now, and it makes you sound a bit weird, like you don't yeah. know what you're talking about. But uh, like the, the people haven't were having a go at Spanish love song, they were like, "Oh, but that's that's funny." One of them looked like database right. as well. Oh right, okay. Oh, you mean the one from The Simpsons? Yeah, yeah. Just, I just had yeah. to I had to <laughs> stop there and think. Um, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, also, it was very hot. It was right. last Wednesday, and it was, <laughs> it was like, what, agony. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was a bit hot. Um, oh, it's 
been impressive. The, the weekend before that, I went to Forwards Festival, um, which is more of like an experimental dance R&B type thing. So kind of out of my wheelhouse, but it was really good. Recommend it. Oh, yeah. cool. Uh, uh, oh, cool. Went to primarily to see Apex Twin, who's really good. Um, I think. Yes. Because um, that was like, I don't, uh, Dan, who like friend of the podcast, was desperate to see Apex Twin. He hasn't toured in years. So this was like a big one-off. So that was really good. Um, Arlo Parks was excellent. Um, Yasmin Lacey was really good. Um, yeah, it was a really good day. That's, uh, that sounds like the sort of thing that I'd have been interested in seeing. But uh, That's not a, like, a, oh, why didn't you invite me? That's uh, I wouldn't have been able to go anyway because I have no money or time. But I would have been interested in going to that. Yeah. Well, keep, keep, yeah. Now, now it just sounds like Kev's about to go, like, I'm not offended you in NASA, I couldn't have gone anyway. Yeah, that's big. Well, like, yeah, that was basically it. But, um, <laughs> but uh, if, yeah. Well, I'll keep an eye on the lineup next year. It's a it's a day festival way over two days in Bristol. Yeah. Awesome. That sounds cool. Uh, and on albums, I the new Cabela Tech album came out last Friday, and it's really good. If you like. Say that. Say that name Cavell again. Attack. K Cavell Attack. K E L E R T A K. They're Norwegian. Jesus Christ! You definitely had to spell yeah. that. They're Norwegian. <laughs> like I'm not, I would have put in something <laughs> completely fucking wrong. If you if you put in K V in Spotify, you'll find them because <laughs> there's not many bands called yeah. Cavell Attack. Um, they've been around a while, yeah. but they this is their first album in almost well three and a half years, and it's just like great rock and roll, just brilliant. Like they just know how to write songs like that, even when it's in Norwegian. But yeah, really enjoyable album. Cool. Uh, so we'll, we'll stick with you then. What have you What have you picked for your pick of the uh, the albums uh, for this month? Yeah. So um, there were a couple of albums. Uh, there was a few stuff, a few things I could have picked, um, and there was nothing like Alps like that leapt out like, oh, I need to pick this. So I thought about picking. Mm. Um, uh, Colours by Between the Buried and Me. Um, it's generally, I think, the most well-regarded album of the stuff I like this out this month, but it doesn't 100% click with me. Um, I almost picked Future to the Left, Curses, their debut album. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you know, either of you two know that band? I think you're friends yeah. with one of their yes, partners, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. we do, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, band from Cardiff. Um, one of our friends used to date someone in the band. Because um, they, they blew up... They, they were fairly popular for a bit and then just well, disappeared. Sound a bit like McCluskey, if you, anyone knows McCluskey. Dan and I talked about McCluskey. Um, I don't. Or Reuben. Um, sort of very British post-punk at the time. But yeah, their arm's good. But I gave Every Time I Die's album Dirty Looks a listen earlier and it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> brilliant hardcore hardcore punk um every song is great just uh, makes you want to just get up and run in a circle um yeah i've said in the past i think also this year cancer bats hell destroyer came out and it just sort of gave me the same feeling as that it's just a really well done 35 minute hardcore punk album uh by a band that sadly i never got to see 
because I had tickets to see them in oh. early 2022 and then they split up. Um, Shame. Yeah. Um, cool. Really, really good album. Lovely. Uh, my, I think my pick of the month is a bit different. I think it's not like... Okay, so it's Foo Fighters, Echo, Silence, Patience and Grace, which for me, I think is more interesting because of what other people think of it than what I think of it. Okay. Because I thought this album was was okay. It was like not too dissimilar from the albums that had previously gone. Um, it's got a bunch of good tracks on it, like uh, The Pretender, um, Come Alive, um, uh, Long Road to Ruin. But this seemed to be, for a lot of people, uh, the Foo Fighters, decli- like the start of their decline for a lot of people, which... I don't understand, but I'm I'm willing to listen. Uh, yeah so for me at this point it was but now I look back the Foo Fighters declined much earlier than this okay Uh, right (laughs) oh okay this is not so what what, so what what happened I think what what I mean to say is the Foo Fighters first three albums are great but probably you can make an argument that all three of them are tens Um, I definitely think the first two are then uh What's the one we have um, times like these on? Is it one by one? One yeah. by one, yeah. That was really popular, but it's only got a few great songs on. Then they mm-hmm. did the half acoustic, half in your honor, half other, half like rock songs one, which again has four or five songs on. And then this one came out, which I think only the pretender people like in general. I mean, well. Yeah, if you if you were making a best of the Foo Fighters songs, the Pretender would be the only one on this album to make it. I think. Let's be fair, Pretender. Pretender is a It's a great song. Yeah, um, but I think mm. it was the first time that people realised that maybe this is what they were getting from Foo Fighters: is you're getting an album, you're getting three or four songs you like, and then the rest of it's just filler. Weirdly, the song, the album they released after this, was seen as a comeback. Oh, that's the I can't remember uh, what that one's even called. Is it Atomic Bomb? No, it's oh. Can't remember what it's called. Doesn't matter anyway. And then they actually released way worse albums than this one for about ten years, and then they made another comeback this year, which was um, "Wasting Light" was the the next one, which is which is really good. "Wasting yeah. Light" that um, was it. Yeah. And then yeah, they had a, a yeah. lot of rubbish, and then this year's album is is legitimately good. Have you heard that, Matt? No, yeah, no, give, I haven't give heard it any it's, their, no. it's probably their best album since. Um, uh, Tables, then nothing no. left to lose. Nothing left to lose. I think. Um, right. Yeah, but that—that's—that's that's my opinion. I know. I understand if you like the album, but you just said it was okay, so it's not like you're saying it's a uh, must listen. No, no. I think, like I said, it—it was—it was more about, like I say, what what it I I had felt until you just said that. <laughs> what 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 the perception was among like uh our, particularly our peer group at the time was that this was this mm. was the start of a downward trend which again it i don't think that's necessarily unfair i think maybe it's the reaction to that and i think i've seen that reaction to other bands as well where it's like oh they've got these three 
glorious albums, and then the next album, or four, however many it is, and the next album isn't as great, and then they're just like, right, they're crap now. They will never. They're they're, mm. they're no longer worth talking about. If you uh, if, if you uh, if you play their music on your car CD, then you're somehow uh, wrong because now they're crap. Even though you're playing one of their old songs from their old <laughs> albums, uh, if you want to go see them live, you're wrong for doing so because you're supporting their new music rather than the sort of greatest hits that they are definitely going to be playing during that live set. That's that's <laughs> like. Yeah, I think that's that's the way I, I I'm like what well, I get confused by this <laughs> that bands that bands get written off when they start having bad albums because all mm. bands do I think I don't think you can keep that consistent level uh, for very long. I I think I think you there's a there's not that. many bands who have consistently have absolute brilliant albums or you know yeah mastered on <laughs> top of my head. Um, um, I mean you're right. But Mastodon yeah. a niche I, I as think well. It's it's very hard as a band yeah. to. I was gonna say I was gonna half jokingly say it'd be good if Mastodon put out one album that was listenable. <laughs> Somewhere Dan just rose. <laughs> that Hodge just said something about Mastodon. <laughs> Dan has got a pain in his leg now, and he doesn't know why. He's just like what? Dan doesn't know why, but he's he's compelled um, to come to my house and punch you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, to be fair, the it, the it's more the exception than the rule. A band who consistently releases good albums, like every band will, you know. I think you have. There's a reason a lot of people say, yeah. "Oh, the first five or the first four albums or the first three albums are great," and then it's, um, yeah, it's that. And I think sometimes bands just like, they release an album just so they can go out on tour and make and sell a couple of copies, and that's an excuse to tour. Um, like Foo Fighters don't need to release another album for the rest of their life. They they absolutely don't. I'm kind of glad they do because you don't want to get in like a system of yeah. down situation where you're just playing. You know, you're just going on nostalgia from almost twenty years ago now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It must be boring for um, the artists as well, though. Surely by that point, I, just, I think I think sometimes, yeah. Could you make the argument that rather filling, than releasing it? three albums with three tracks on each, you could just wait and release one album? But I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think well, it's the thing you you've got to look at it critically as an album on its own. If you don't, if you only like three songs on an album, is the album worth it? Should have just been an EP. Well, interestingly, that was where I used to consider album purchases when I was a money-strapped teenager. I would like go right, okay, so I buy a single. A single is like two pound, and this album yeah. is ten pound. Therefore, there must be like five tracks on here that I like to make it worth not returning it to HMV. If it failed that test, I took it back. Because I felt I wasn't worth. It's a good, I felt it's it a wasn't good worth money. Think about it. Yeah, it's got to be a minimum of five tracks that I like to make it worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Obviously, it's not a consideration anymore. No, <laughs> it's like not a problem. No, because you you like I think that's well, well that's almost a different different right. This is something I was I was thinking about. Um, so. Uh, We'll come back to this maybe a little bit. So uh, Disney obviously recently said that they're going to stop doing Blu-rays in certain areas, but they are putting out Australia. Yeah, but they are putting out Blu-rays of The Mandalorian season one and two. And someone asked me, "Well, what's the point of that if you can just get it streaming?" And my thought was, "Well, it's merchandise. It's got nothing to do. Like some yeah. some people will buy those those Blu-rays and never put them in a in a machine." And I wonder if there is a similar thing, 
Not, not, and, and I would say you're probably not the person I'm describing here, Kev, by any means, but people who would buy an album, uh, a vinyl of an album, I should say, sorry, and then never, never play it, almost. Still keep it on the Spotify or whatever for convenience sake. But, you know, it, but, it's, but it's the merchandise, it's the support, if you like, of owning, mm. you know. I just wonder... Getting the money to the people. Yeah. Also, you've got you got also got like the audio file, cinephile side of things, whereby especially with videos, streaming is never as high quality as a Blu-ray disc or a 4K disc. Yeah, cool. Um, all right, Hodge, what is your album pick of the month? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, um, my I'm, I'm mine's a bit of a cheat, I suppose, but I don't care. I'm going with it anyway. I'm going with um, from the screen to your stereo part two by Newfound Glory. And I won't miss the way that you kiss me We were never caught in stone Okay. Why is it a cheat? Lots of really good covers on it. In a, uh, well, it's, it's, a, it's essentially it's just a covers album, but it's lots of really good covers in a punk style. You know what? Um, as soon as I saw this was on the list, I knew this is what you were going to pick. <laughs> <laughs> Straight away. It's like, I'll just pick a map. <laughs> Guarantee it. Look, you've got great songs. We're all great original songs. You've got Kiss Me by Sixpence Number Richer. You've got um, King of Wishful Thinking by Go West. Stay, Lisa Loeb, Love Fool, Iris, Hungry Eyes. All great songs, but now done in a punk style. Okay, this actually sounds great. <laughs> I prefer the original album, but I, you know, I can't disagree with you. Or the third one. The third one's also very good. Sorry? That's all I've got to say to this. They're, just, they're good songs made better by being punk covers. Yeah, I mean... It is one of those things where sometimes a cover can elevate a song. Um, you know, uh, like uh, Take On Me is a perfect example of that. Even my dad, who yeah. has no interest in Punk and Scar, agrees that the um, uh, uh, Real Big Fish cover of Take On Me is the best version. Girls of the Summer by the Ataris? Yeah. Or Boys of the Summer, even? Yeah, I mean, th- these are good ideas. Yeah. It's like um, it's like uh, Me First and Gimme Gibbies. Are usually great. Yeah, it's exactly. Just like we're we're just gonna, you know, this isn't our day job, so we're not. It's just us having a bit of fun, and we're just gonna do punk covers of things. Yeah, I think if they're done well, they uh, they pay for themselves. Yeah. I think if they're done I think bad, it's, it's the done well, isn't it? Yeah. The, the way me first and Gimme Gimme's are good is because they're done well. The way Punk Rock Factory are bad, yeah, because they're done badly. Yeah, the Punk Rock Factory are crap. <laughs> yeah, well, I do not enjoy. I don't, it. I've even heard of them. Yeah. I won't. I won't look them up. Do you, Do you want to hear punk covers of? Pokemon songs? I know, I know. The thing is, the thing is, I know that you do. I know that you do, but it ain't worth it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. because you've you've kind of plus plus this that punk rock factory. That is their only thing they do. Yeah, but badly. Yeah, me me first. The Gimme Gimmes are a super group of like established punk bands. So yeah, newfound glory. This was a side thing. It's like, oh, we'll do one of these because we want to. Yeah. We yeah. like these songs. Yeah. We'll release an album next time. Yeah. 
we're going to segue because I think this is a great segue. Uh, speaking of covers, uh, we got the singles chart, and twenty uh, fifth of August to first of September is stronger by Kanye West, uh, except they've spelled Daft Punk incorrectly. Um, what? Yeah, this is this song is is uh, better, faster, harder, stronger by Daft Punk, and Kanye West just steals it. So it's his now. You mean you mean ye? Ye. ye. Yeah, um, right. Is it yay? I don't know. Um, uh, uh, you know, here's the thing. I'm all for the sampling of music and and transformation and remixes and stuff, but I do draw the line at trying to basically take someone's song and then pass it off at your as your own work, like that. <laughs> that can get fucked. So, and then and then to have people turn around and go, "Well, oh, Kanye West is a genius," and this was a this was the time. Right, because this would have been off his album. Uh, what was it the graduation? I think it's on the list of things to go over. This would have been the time where everyone was telling Kanye West he was an absolute genius, and he was listening to this and going, "Yes, yes, I am." Rather than <laughs> you know, um, learning humility or trying to not buy his own, not not drink his own bathwater. So there we go. Little rant about Kanye West. There, why not? Why not? But, uh, it was nearly number one for two weeks. Yep. That's something. And then it was be- beaten off by a much better song, a song I actually really like. And, uh, you know, 8th of September to 29th of September, it's uh, Sean Kingston and Beautiful Girls. You must remember this song, guys. I'm sure a few seconds ago, no, right. but I don't. No. You beautiful girls, that's why it'll never work. You'll have me suicidal. Suicidal when you say it's over. And I've got to stop there because we will be copyright claimed because of the absolute <laughs> pure perfection of that song uh, that I just sang compared to. <laughs> See, this is the point. You've got, you've got to know that you're a bit shit and have a little bit of humility. You can't just have people go, no, you're a genius, Matt. That was sounds exactly like Sean Kingston. Anyone who tells you different is a liar. Um, I don't. Yeah. I don't know that song. <laughs> I, I, you must have. Well, you do now, Kev. You've yeah, heard, you've it. heard it. You've heard you've it. Heard, you know it. It's in your soul. Great little summertime jam. Uh, and then for albums, got some interesting ones here. Um, between the first and eighth of December, got Handbuilt by Robots by Newton Faulkner. Is that ringing any bells for anyone? Oh, I'm not um, sure which one that is? I I don't know Newton Faulkner, but it's nice that he. Uh, Nice news that find out he had a number one album. Yeah. Uh, and then 15th of September, we've got Once Upon a Time in the West by Hard Fi. Yeah. Uh, then we've got twenty second of se- week of 22nd of September, Graduation by Kanye West. And then All the Lost Souls by James Blunt. And I couldn't have told you which of his albums this was, whether it was the one that uh, had, uh, you know, it, it's beautiful and stuff like that. James Blunt, one of those people that people like... He kind of became unpopular because his music was everywhere for a bit, and then yeah. has since revealed himself to be pretty much a very funny, very nice man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. He he's. I mean, it's not his fault that loads of people bought his records. No, and that the people who didn't like that people bought his records got really angry with him. Yeah. And the people the people got really angry with him were all like people like Noel Gallagher, Liam Gallagher, and it's like Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who who've we talked oh. about before are assholes. Great musicians, not no disputing that, but assholes. Apparently, um there's a nice nice Keith Flint story. Like when James Blunt first got popular, I think he was at the Brits. 
and apparently all those people were sneering at him. And uh, Keith Flint just went over to the age button and said, congratulations, you're a success, man. You must be really proud. Yeah. Just went. Oh. Keith Flint yeah. is a nice man. And Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you've got and like... so is James Blunt. Yes. You've got like Liam Gallagher, um, um, look at me, I'm the man. Um, and then you've got the, probably the scariest guy in the room. Just went. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Right. Like the most punk guy in any room. Whenever he's there, just went up to him and said, "Oh, brilliant." <laughs> That's the thing. Punks are usually nice. Usually, yeah. not always. Um, what, except while when they're music. Click to While on music, can I can I, throw, can I throw an idea your way? Right, you know, like the whole problem with artists not getting money off Spotify. Yeah, yeah. What I think is stupid, right, is that if you like. Spotify doesn't work the same as any other streaming service. Like, I think you should have two tiers of Spotify, or you could pay extra to get new albums sooner. It's like a new album wouldn't go to Spotify day of release. It should be like a couple, like a month or two later or something. You could pay extra to get it. And the other thing I've noticed is like when people release special editions of albums, which can sometimes be like three or four different versions of the same thing, they're all on there. So it should just be like you know the, the base standard version is on Spotify, and if you want to play a different version of that album, like their re-release or their special edition, you have to pay a bit extra, and that goes direct to the artist slash company, and Spotify isn't involved in that bit. That's my idea. I think the thing is, what you're suggesting there would be a great deal for artists. Uh, it wouldn't work because it would be inconvenient for consumers. That's fair. I don't think it would be like I, I like the fact that Spotify now has a um, merchandise tab mm. for artists, which is quite good. I just think like Spotify would still get the money because lots of people wouldn't bother paying for these things. They just wait, wait it out, or they wouldn't listen to special editions. But you'd have lots of people who would. I think like the actual like the proper fans would pay pay it. Uh, I mean, I think you're right, but I think the proper fans would probably pay for something somewhere else. Nah, the youngsters aren't buying CDs no more mm. or downloads. True. I I don't know. I yeah. I, I, mm. It's a thought. That's it's a idea, thought. But, but they'll never do it. They'll never take my genius ideas because they're too greedy. Yeah, that's and definitely music it. Music artists are too lazy and stupid. <laughs> music artists. Are t- <laughs> Just all right. Okay. <laughs> that's that's the... all of them. All of them, without exception. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, you, you you listen here with your unreleased songs. Do you want your album released? I mean, come on, give me a break. Hi, I'm Khan, and I love stories. I especially love to dig into the historical roots that shape our favourite stories, books, films, TV shows, music, and more. Each week, we'll take a deep dive into a significant historical event and examine its impact on the media and popular culture of the time, as well as all the ways in which it continues to shape our entertainment today. So, whether you're a history buff, a pop culture fanatic, or simply curious about the world around you, join us as we dig up, unpack, and examine the origins of the stories that have shaped us. Welcome to Culture Chronicles. Available wherever you get your pods. Okay, man, are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. Now, come on, now, crank this motherfucker up. Right. Okay. So, we're back in... <laughs> we're back in 2007. Uh, films. Uh... Right, I, I was going to kind of say, have you seen any good films recently, guys, and kind of go from that, but I think the last film we probably would have seen at the cinema would have been Turtles. 
which is a good film. Uh, yeah. But it's a bit late I, now to kind of talk about I it saw, a little bit. I saw Blue Beetle, which is not a good film. Oh, have you seen it? Yeah. Is it not good? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. That's a shame. It's again. That's a character that has a lot of potential, yeah. but I, you know, you could tell. I, I didn't know it was out. Is not a good sign for that yeah. film being actually it's, good, is it? It's bad. Oh no. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, granny wielding a granny wielding I, a I, minigun. Bad. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. It's um. It, it's like the last twenty-five years of superhero films hadn't happened, and it was made in the mid nineties with not much <laughs> budget. Oh, no. Sadly. That's that's uh yeah. okay. That's that is a shame. Uh, I think some people like it. Right. I finally watched Dungeons and Dragons. That was all right. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I like Dungeons and Dragons. So it's all, it was, it was it. all right. Yeah. It's a good film. And my son enjoyed it too. Cool. Um, Hodge, what have you picked for films this episode? Well, I was too I was too lazy and stupid to have watched a film this month. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I haven't chosen one. Okay. Right. Hodge refused, Thanks, Hodge, Hodge refused to pick Resident Evil. There weren't any. There weren't any. There weren't any. Uh, well, I said I can't really pick Resident Evil because even now Kev said the name, all I can say about it is, yeah, it's a Resident Evil film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit shit. It's just like every other Resident Evil film. Yeah, we'll go with that. That's your pick. It was the Resident Evil one and you've <laughs> summed it up. We don't need to talk about them. <laughs> Apart from the very first one that, yeah, they're all a bit shit. Um, do, do you think you've seen it? Then you have. Yeah. Claire was introduced to this one, and it was like, "Oh, you ruined that character." Good. Yeah. Anyway, um, my my pick was Into the Wild, which I don't I don't think Hodge has seen. Have you seen? No. It's basically a film where a um, someone decides to go and live off grid. Right. Basically, just goes to live in the wilderness. Uh, I don't know if it's based on a true story or not. Give me a second. Um, it is. I will read you the description, Kev. Into the Wild is based on a true story adapted from a best-selling book by John Krakauer. Emile Hirsch stars as a college graduate, Christopher McCandless. Chris donates his college fund to charity, abandons his car, changes his name to Alexander Supertramp, and starts hitching across the country. As Chris treks alone into the Alaskan wilderness in 92, the movie switches back to the places and people he met in South Dakota, California, the southwestern desert, and along the Colorado River. In the end, instead of finding just nature, Chris actually finds God. Along the way, he learns the importance of forgiveness, the principle of love by Wait, wait, you're reading. Wait. (laughs) 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 He's he learns about the principle of forgiveness and like wait, hang on, hold up. Yeah, if if he finds God, then God God punishes him in a Job-like way for finding that God and you know living with nature. Um, Yeah, so. There's a, there's a random compliment here. It's an adventure story worthy of Jack London. Even so, movie contains some very strong foul language and extreme naturalistic nudity, so movie guide advises strong caution. Don't know why we've got such a hard-on for Jack London, but there you go. Yeah, so he goes goes to live out in, in the wilderness, essentially, and he has all this, this guidebooks, and like this is, this is how I live, and this is what I can use to feed myself. He makes one mistake, and he basically just he, he poisons himself and just doesn't survive. Oh wow! It's it's quite yeah. yeah, it's quite a dark way to end it. But um, Eddie Vedder did the soundtrack, which is why I watched the film. Basically, I was, it said, "Oh, you'll like this. You'll like the, all the music." Um, See, I think 
I think I've seen the trailer for this, but not the actual film. Now that someone's come to like describe it, because I think I've seen it with people going, "Oh, why are you going to live in the wild?" And he's just like, "Because in a sort of very sort of like, why wouldn't I?" Um, yeah, it seems it seems interesting, but not my kind of thing. Yeah, like, uh, what's what's the one where the guy chews his hand off? Uh, yeah, it's not quite like that. Um, it's a bit more. Like it's it's a bit more hopeful until the point where he makes the mistake. Yeah. Um, ah. Yeah. Is he like he eats the wrong berries or something? Yeah. That's gonna be a horrible way to die yeah. as well. He, he just, not, that's not gonna be good. Yeah, he's just he's just fighting really sick and he can't get anywhere. Yeah. He's, he's too far from anywhere. Um, I mean, if he had been based yeah. in the UK, he probably would have just been able to walk like twenty minutes and then he'd find. <laughs> Um, well, um, uh, I suppose if he was, I think if prob- he was up in Scotland, he probably yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, there's a there's a few places I think in the UK where it's still yeah. inadvisable to just go for a walk in the woods, yeah. um, and that's not just because of the dogging. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, cool. it was pre- it was pretty good. I mean, I um, yeah, I like and the, the soundtrack's very good. I like Eddie Vedder's music, so not not surprised. But um, yeah, cool. well, uh, my 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 pick of the month is very different. Um, it's a film I completely <laughs> forgotten exists. It's it, a film I completely forgotten existed until I sort of saw the choices of films for the month, and I was like, I remember this. Shoot 'em up. Um, does exactly what it says on the tin. I'll give it that. Uh, it's uh, Clive Owen plays as some kind of weird hobo who eats carrots. Um, he saves a baby from a gang and uh, it kicks off a basically huge action scene um, romp. It's got uh, a lady uh, of the night with big boobs in it. Um, it's got Paul Giamatti as a bad guy. Um, the action scenes are actually really, really well done. Um, is something I, I think I can say. One thing I know about the film is apparently um, he actually scripted out all of his action scenes um, using little comics of exactly how they would go so all of the action was choreographed by the main director of the film and uh yeah it's it's one of those films that is very very dumb massively sort of a power fantasy of you know uh of people sort of you know it takes it takes aim at politicians and gun control and stuff like that but it's not it's not it's not an intriguing look at the inner workings of the gun of the gun lobby. It's just ah, the bad guy is involved with the gun lobby. It's it's that. It's not you know, it's not it's not in any way deep. But if you want to watch some really good stunt scenes, some good fight choreography, uh, and, and shooting, it's 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 not a bad way of killing like an hour and twenty minutes or however long it is. It's it's an alright film. Um you know, I was I was probably the right age to see this. There's a bit where he stabs a guy in the eye with a carrot, which is always fun. <laughs> so, is this when you were thinking you were a teenager? Yeah, uh, yeah well, I was probably think I, I was probably still thinking I was a teenager at this point. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I was still thinking I was a teenager yesterday. So that's not that's not you know until I until I try and move out of my chair, at which point I am caustically reminded I am not. Um, but, yeah. No, um, it's all right. It's you know, it's very indicative of the sort of action films at the time. But I, I just sort of forgot it existed. A bit like how Hollywood forgot Clive Owen existed, <laughs> like pretty much immediately. You know, um, so I don't know if you saw it. There was a uh, 
the American crime story, and they did it on uh, the Lewinsky scandal. Oh, right, yeah. And Clive Owen played Bill Clinton <laughs> in, like, heavy prosthetics. He looks nothing what? like him. It's really weird. Okay. <laughs> don't know if I can... Oh, I've got a mate who says that Colin Farrell stole Clive Owen's career and then someone else came along and stole Colin Farrell's career immediately afterwards. (laughs) But uh, there we go. Yeah, so that was it for films. Okay. Can I read you some bits about Shooter Mother? Of course, of course. This has got to be choice. The mother dies from a gunshot wound, so Smith grabs the newborn baby like a football while he keeps shooting back at the bad guys. Yep. It's like the fact they're just like the fact they're obsessed. It's like a like a football. Um, amid a hail of more bullets, Smith teams up with DQ, a gorgeous lactating prostitute, to solve the mystery of why they want the baby dead. Um, Accurate. There's nothing like. Yeah. It, it's you can tell it's very simple when even they can't pull anything like more out of it. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Um, has anti-Christian elements such as prostitutes setting up business in an abandoned church and a prostitute wearing a nun's habit. 41 obscenities, 5 strong profanities, 7 light profanities, diaper feces. <laughs> okay, right. I, d- uh, so, right uh, I don't know why that's... <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. So is that Colin Farrell in, no, no, the, in the prosthetic that's Clive, to try and Clive, look like Bill Clinton? Clive Owen. I said Colin Farrell. Yeah, no, even I can't remember who he is. Yeah, right. He doesn't look like Bill Clinton. No. <laughs> he looks like he looks he looks more like Clancy Brown. <laughs> yes, it does look like Clancy Brown. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, he doesn't really look like Clancy Brown. But that's he looks more like that than Clint uh, Clint Brinton. That's his name. That's uh, he's a new person I've invented than Bill Clinton. Jesus, looks nothing like him. We'll need to put that uh, in the show notes or something, or in the episode uh, on on Twitter or something like that, because that is, yeah, that is quite hilarious. So I, I I'm guessing the the movie guide not into shoot 'em up then because of the, you know, the the prostitute in a nun's habit. Besides the fact that baby lives through all this, the only good news is that the movie sex and violence takes screen time away from spouting obscenities and profanities. I mean, those are pluses, let's be honest. <laughs> oh, gosh. Right. All the good it has to say. Cool. Um, right, on to TV. Any choice TV watches uh, this week, guys? That you, you Anything that you're particularly interested in that you've seen on telly? Nothing Nothing new. No. Oh. Um, I will just say I've... I know I'm the, the only person here who sort of watches anime, but I can say I've never watched the One Piece anime. I have watched the Netflix series. It's pretty bloody good. Uh it's pretty good, guys. Pretty good. Yeah. Um I would I would genuinely say give it a bit of a watch. It's a bit like Pirates of the Caribbean for kids. It kind of gives me that vibe of Do you remember Spy Kids? It's like that but not shit. Um it's it's genuinely the action scenes are pretty good. Uh they keep the sort of rubber stuff as in the you know the kids like rubber he's like a Mr Fantastic type thing they keep that to a minimum oh, okay. because of the budget but they make up for it by having actually good fight scenes instead like choreographed stunt based fight scenes which is yeah it's a decent show anyway hmm. cool uh, so it's quickly I watched um 
I watched the season two of Strange New Worlds. It was very good. Ah, okay, yes. I I've still watched a, only watched a couple of episodes of season one, but it was nice to see. Oh, this is actually Star Trek. And the first two episodes of Lower Decks have been very good this season as well. Ah, yes. Uh, and of course, it's quite a lot coming out. The problem is, I've got um, free trials on a couple of different streaming services, so I'm trying to watch what I can off those at the moment. So I'm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I'll probably fall behind, but we're gonna, we're gonna, yeah, morning shows. We're gonna hit a week. point where there's gonna be nothing on for like months and months from America, yeah. so like it's not a problem. Well, disenchantment's on as well. Yeah, so That's I haven't, back. I haven't watched that yet. Um, again, when they, when Netflix drop everything, it's harder to go because like with Futurama and things like that, I'll watch, watch an episode a week as well as watching something else. You can sort of go, well, I'm yeah. just keeping up with that. Uh, whereas, like, oh, well, I'm not going to watch all ten episodes of Disenchantment because I need to watch this other stuff on this other streaming service. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, uh, Hodge, what was your what was your pick for TV? Oh, shall we go over the um, the, we'll go over the TV news first, sure, really, shouldn't we? Um, yeah, 10th of September, ITV and Trevor McDonald are cleared of racism by Ofcom over remarks made on McDonald's Newsnight show. The remarks concerned comedian Bernard Manning who had died a few months previously, with McDonald referring to Manning as a fat white bastard. Um, not inaccurate. No, I was going to say, is any part of that no. incorrect? I just, no. I really struggle to picture T. McD yeah. saying that, though. A fat white bastard. That's not even a great impression, but that's that's pretty. That's as close as we're getting. Maybe you can, maybe you can, maybe you can paste it in here, Matt, during the edit. We need to, uh, we'll get the AI on it. We'll do an AI. We won't do an AI. Um, yeah, just yeah. It, it, maybe someone had wound them up a bit. I mean, I th- I think it's probably it, it'll it'll have been you know the sort of the slightly Brexity lot who were like, oh you you wouldn't have said that if he was a black man. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> um, there we go. Thirteenth um, September. The BBC has signed a two-year deal uh, to provide coverage of the Super Bowl. Woo-hoo! The first time the event will be aired by the BBC. Super Bowl... Uh, uh, mm, uh, fi- fi- uh, 27? I don't know what that right. is. XL22. XL2. Let's have a look. I don't know what that is. I don't know what an L is. Um, it must be, it must be in the 40s. I can't see the number. Yeah. Because my, my laptop's taking ages to load up. Doesn't matter. Uh, uh, it well, is uh, 42 and 43. 42 and 43, right, X, okay. Uh, the X is probably the hour, which is 50, so that's 40 and then 2. Right, so Super, so Super Bowl 42 will air in 2008 and Super Bowl 43 will air in 2009. So this this was the this was the slow thing about the NFL becoming bigger and bigger in the UK. Um, I think this, this year was also, I think the year prior they'd had a game in the UK, Um which was a lot of people said the reason England lost a, a European qualifier was because they had the NFL there a couple of weekends before, not because England were terrible. Oh right, yeah, because that makes sense. It's not like they re-changed the entire pitch. Oh wait, no, they do. They do do that. <laughs> well, they, they, at that point, they just played on. They just played on the grass, and they was like, oh, they've ruined the grass. It's like it does, still doesn't explain why uh, the England goalkeeper just let a ball go through his hands. No. Any excuse at this point, I think it was during the the quote unquote golden generation. Um, the twenty sixth, the Bionic Woman returns after a break of nearly thirty years, but is axed again months later. This was I remember this. This was supposed to be a big thing. 
because this was supposed to be basically the reboot of the um, six million uh, dollar man and by extension the bionic woman mm. franchises basically uh, and it had uh, Zoe from EastEnders have, in it have Peggy. Um, yeah yeah um, yeah, should have had Michelle. Should have had Michelle Ryan. No, should have had um, yeah Peggy. Uh, but uh, no, uh, Barbara Windsor. Barbara Windsor, right? Yeah. Um, just just start shouting out EastEnders cast to me, and that will be the rest of the episode. Uh, <laughs> Ian Ian Beale. Ian Beale. Yeah, he could have been as a as a bionic woman. Do you think Ian Beale is going to spend six million dollars though, or do you think he's going to try and cheap out and uh, make it make it about five <laughs> well, grand? I don't, I don't know. I think uh, they <laughs> avoided the six million dollar thing because, like, inflation. Yeah, they, I, I remember. The, goodness gracious me! They have the sketch like the six million rupee man. Yes, <laughs> they like, did. You could, yeah, like, you could just pick up apples and stuff. That's right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, mem- I remember um, Katie Sackhoff was a like the original Bionic Woman in it or something. Like she was going to be the the enemy, but I think uh, it was not long after this they I, had the writer strike, wasn't it? So I think that did for a lot of shows. Yeah. It definitely did. Yeah, um, production production was halted in this because of the writer strike. I don't think it was ever popular yeah. enough to pick it back up again. Is the thing. Um, I mean, yeah, it never, it never really had a chance to get find its audience because of the writer's strike. Yeah, and I because think... of the lack of Peggy. That is it. <laughs> we yeah. picked the wrong uh, Everyone <laughs> definitely. Uh, well, because I remember this was an American yeah. production. We should yeah. say, even though EastEnders is a British program, but I think I might be wrong. I think it might have been part funded by ITV as well. I think it aired on ITV. Maybe I'll have to, I'd have to double check that and. I, I just don't think they they found its audience because this would have been about the time they were trying to compete with Doctor Who on the BBC as well, so just didn't just didn't fit. Um, okay, and that kind it kind of leads in a bit to my pick, which is Yay. Chuck. Does anyone remember I Chuck? Chuck? Chuck was great. Yeah, yeah, Chuck's great. It um, was, it be, it's the type of thing I don't think they make now because it's it's an old older style TV format, isn't it? Um, it's, it's, that, yeah. it's that case episode of the week thing with an overarching mythology, but yeah, it's it feels a bit like uh, I was sort of thinking it feels a bit like uh, a child of the Buffy era, if you see what I mean. Like, yes, yeah, that's what you mean. it's it's like the spy equivalent of a of a Buffy show. Yeah, um, probably not the, the as high production well, standards well, as Buffy, well, but I think you know, higher production standards than Buffy because I meant just high. I think you're writing, yeah. Yeah, but uh... for those who don't know, Chuck is the story of a regular old IT guy who works at a like a Best Buy or a PC World, whatever equivalent. I can't remember what it was called now. Um, and he gets an email from his mate who works for the CIA, and he enters the code correctly, and it beams basically all the CIA's classified information directly into his brain in a sort of Johnny Mnemonic style, and. He then has flashes and can remember sort of highly classified government information uh, and is then basically having to put under protection by an NSA and a CIA agent because he knows all the government secrets. Um, it's it's a it's a nice show because I think it, they do sort of a realistic thing of the CIA and the NSA at the start. They're just like, well, we're just going to kill him, which is, of course, what you would do. <laughs> yeah. 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 And they send Adam Baldwin um in his post flyer fly fugue out to do that 
Um, Adam Baldwin is great in this, by the way. I think. Yeah, he's really he, he he is. He's, he's one well, of the like, I'm, a, I'm a grumpy old protector, but I actually do kind of like the people by the end. Yeah, and it's uh, Zachary Levy is uh, is they don't, Chuck. They don't That's kill him right. off because I think they figure they can use him on missions. I, I think he's. It's not just the CIA secrets. I think it's like lots of different spy secrets. So like if yeah. they, they take him somewhere, yeah. they'll have a flash and that's information they needed to complete the mission. Like, oh, oh, this, like, oh, we're looking for someone called the cheetah or something. It's like, oh, we don't know yeah. what his face is, but yeah, he, yeah. Can, he has that information. So he sees the person he can work out. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's Yvonne Shahovsky plays Sarah, who is the CIA agent who, like, they, they installed to be a fake girlfriend for him to give a reason why she has to be around him all the time. Um, yeah, and then of course he finds out, and then that, but they are in love really because this is the era of nerds just being relatively harmless means that they are instantly yeah. uh, likable. As as am I, ladies. It's got, <laughs> it's got a really nice like surrounding <laughs> cast. Well, yeah, like fun surrounding cast as well because they have um, uh, his best friend is like the more nerdish guy. Yes, um, and yeah. they have like the two workers at the store he works at who are basically insane and yeah what's the, right. what's the band they're in um jeffster yeah was it... they were in a oh. band that did covers and they sort of work it in every season um oh i can't the thing is i get confused about shows which have yeah. bands because there's like mouse rat and then there's <laughs> ted's band from scrubs yeah so it, I, I can it, never remember this was their band they they would always turn up i think yeah. in the finale they um there's a, a thing where a bomb will go off if the music stops and right. like, the, the orchestra stops playing and then like, oh, they just think of something and they get them to come out and do Take On Me with a full full orchestra. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, the, this was originally, it was only going to have um, two seasons and funnily enough, that was because of the writer strike. It was effectively uh, quite hampered by it. Because I think I think they'd finished season one in in most of its entirety, and then launched it. And then season two was a bit iffy because of the writer strike. And then season three effectively had to be like a fan campaign or some kind of crowdfunding, which was pr- unique. It was one at the of time. those shows that was always on the bubble. Like um, around this time, there was a lot of shows that sort of every year they had to campaign to get them to come back. Like. I mean, Supernatural started as it, and then yeah. became like one yeah. of the most popular shows of the last twenty years, inexplicably. But yeah. shows like this and Community and Parks and Rec, and um, I think these these those are the three that definitely had like massive fan. I I don't know what fans sent in for this. It was something. It was very. It was a very cult show. Um, yeah, but but I I, I think I, I actually watched it years later and started watching it. I thought yeah, it's really good. It holds I, I, up. What, um, what is good about it is it's written um it's written for geeks, not laughing at geeks. Yes, it's yeah. not the Big Bang it's, Theory. It's this yeah. is because I think it actually started at the same time, but it's it's like this is with written with love. Yeah, they this did is written same with month. love rather than ha. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, uh, I mean, there's a, a, one of my things that always sticks in my mind about this show is where he's going to a fancy dress party with his mate, and they're going as the worm from <laughs> Dune, from the 1987 yeah. Dune, and it's like that's just yeah. that's brilliant. There's lots of things like, that. like I think they have a, a, an episode in season two where it's uh, a, a a code is in the Space Invaders game, and um, they have the uh, Stan Bush the Touch as the music 
when they're storming something. Yeah. It's like, yes, this is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, I think I think that's the thing. I think, let's put it this way, if you had something in the Big Bang Theory where someone's going to a fancy dress, they would have just done Star Wars or a property that they own rather than go, what's really weird and niche that only nerds are going to actually get? Like, you know. So the, um, the Chuck fan campaign to say that there was a couple that was because of the um, foot-long sub-sandwiches from Subway in the show, there was one where on the... Um, before the season finale... They encouraged fans to go out and buy Subway sandwiches, which led to hundreds of fans going to a Subway restaurant in Birmingham, England, led by Zachary Levi, who was in town at the time, <laughs> buying hundreds of Subway sandwiches from somewhere in Birmingham. Um, another fan effort included Have a Heart, Renew Chuck campaign, which involved Chuck fans donating money to the American Heart Association on behalf of NBC. Uh by the NBC upfront on the May nineteenth, two thousand nine, over seventeen thousand dollars was raised. It all led to like you know, obviously good press coverage, which turned the screws to get it renewed. How good is that? How good? Like when you've got you know like what's his name trying to get Shenmue fixed or made, and then he's got a publisher behind him anyway, and he's like, oh well, kickstart me, and it's like, well you know, give me money to get the like basically pay me in order for me to make this game, even though I've got someone who could pay me like professionally instead of doing that it's like donate yeah. to a charity yeah i like that i like that a lot here's a random one in support of the show nestle sent more than 1000 packs of its wonka nerds candy to nbc after john schwartz made such a suggestion to fans in april 20 during an interview for new york times i mean <laughs> I don't really understand that one at all. I think that's just Nestle That's just Nestle trying to wash some of the blood off their hands, though. <laughs> um, just a quick note. Just a quick note I have. Uh, Josh Schwartz, who was the showrunner, um, he also launched uh, another show this this month in Gossip Girl. In like same showrunner, and uh, I think Gossip Girl, I imagine, was way more popular. I think it's still going, isn't it? Or not long finished and been rebooted, right? He was quite yeah, prolific. Yeah. He was quite prolific. Um, oh yeah, producer, wasn't he? Yeah, right, he did, he did a fair bit. I only mentioned Gossip Girl because it was like the one that's sort of relevant in our wheelhouse, yeah. sort of thing. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, I, and I, I, because of the way it kept having to fight for renewal, um, didn't they sort of had to do every season was a finale with a teaser for the next season type thing? Yeah, I seem to remember. Um, well, they had the season with Linda Hamilton in it, didn't they? I can't remember what that one was, whether that was two or three. I think that was four. I think Linda Hamilton plays Chuck Tamar. Yeah. It turns out she's a spy. Yeah, because of course she is. Scott Bakula <laughs> played his... Yeah, yeah. it was one of those, Like, it becomes more... And apparently Chuck is... There's something special about Chuck from when he grew up that means he's the only one that can have the construct in his head. Ah, uh, right. Because I, I think at one point they... It, they get rid of it from him, and then he has a new one. That's which right. Actually, gives him come through powers as well. Yeah. Um, so, like, there's, there's the bit where he's like, "Oh, I know come through." Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it was the intersect, wasn't it? That was what it was called. That was it. The yeah, intersect. The intersect. Just yeah. a cool name. Um, right. Yes. Uh, uh, Hodge, what is your pick for TV? So we've gone from a kind of comedy drama about. You know, sci-fi stuff in a way, to another comedy about sci-fi 
the Big Bang Theory. No, not remember talking about the Big Bang Theory. But you're right, Matt. The Big Bang Theory did premiere on the 24th of September. And what I'm going to talk about premiered on the 23rd of September. So the night before was the premiere of the Family Guy special Blue Harvest. Is this the Star Wars one? Yeah, it's the, their first Star Wars special. Right. Blue Harvest being, a, of course, a reference to the code name for the first Star Wars film. Ah. It's quite a neat, quite a neat, neat title there before... I, mean, I remember this one. This one was good. I remember the subsequent ones being a bit more shit. Uh, yeah. yeah. In a kind of kind of condensing Family Guy down to three specials, starts good, gets much worse quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah. This was when Family Guy was still regarded as a funny show. I think. Yeah. Um, for its long decline. Um. The, the, the main problem this one had, and it's a it's a problem of timing, is that not long before this, but not this month. The Robot Chicken fam, um, Star Wars special aired, which is lots a lot funnier. Yeah, the Robot Chicken ones are always pretty great. Well, it was their first one as well. The one where they really got the character of the Emperor down for how Robot Chicken would be using going forwards. Yeah, um, which is funny enough. It is um, Seth MacFarlane, isn't it, as the uh, the Emperor? Yeah, um, yes, it is. You're oh, right. It is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's basically so the, yeah. So the story of this one is the lights go out. There's no power, so Peter decides to regale the family with the story of Star Wars. Yeah, which is yeah, it's got some got some good gags in it, like one where they're powered with Death Star laser and they're pointing out there's no no um, no rails, trellis or barrier to stop them falling over the edge. It's good, <laughs> and when they decide not to shoot down the droids because like they're paying per laser. Yeah, that's right. We go to shoot down. So no, 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 don't bother. So what's wrong with you? Yeah. Shoots anyway. Yeah, is there is there a bit where they're like <laughs> looking out of something and then someone puts their arm around the person that's next to them and like immediately takes it off? Is that in this episode? I, I, I don't know. Remember. I don't remember. There, there might well, well have been a sight gag like that, but yeah, I remember that being really funny. Cause it's like, oh, take it off, take it off. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I do remember. I do remember. Nerf heard her and he, and he goes, that's our word! You don't get to call us that. Yeah, yeah. And then later on he goes, hey, my Nerf herder. Hey, you're my Nerf herder. <laughs> and I'd also forgotten that at the end of this, Chris Griffin, you know, Seth Green, points out that Robot Chicken already did this. Yes, yeah. Which, beco- <laughs> which becomes a running gag throughout the uh, these three specials of... Uh, Seth MacFarlane and Seth Green, because of course Seth Green is in it, and they just he just start going on about how how much he uh, quote unquote hates Seth Green, don't they? It just becomes more and more <laughs> more unpleasant. The thing, and the thing is, what you can, you can't. I know it's divulging a bit, but you can't think about these specials without thinking about that. There's that whole completed Seth Green Star Wars show which we've never got to see. Yeah, he, what he actually completed it. Yeah, what was it called? Star um, Star Wars Detours. Okay, he completed it. I... Yeah, so 39 episodes of a show were produced and they're released on hold since 2013 following Disney's acquisition of Lucasfilm. What? Yeah. But, they own, but surely they must own them now. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe when, with the writer's strike, they'll just release them at some point. Oh, you, you go. But... Kev? Oh. Kev? I would take that bet, sir. I think they. Ab- I think you're absolutely <laughs> right. I think they will. They'll just go. Mm, we haven't got. We haven't got anything after yeah. Loki. What have we got? What can we get? 
Speaking of I which, th- I think the problem is it's not canon. That's that's why they not released it. But I don't think that would matter. You've got loads of stuff on Disney Plus isn't canon with like the um, Legends stuff, yeah. and you've also got like the Lego Star Wars stuff. You just put it under a similar banner. Yeah. So in June in June 2021, Seth Green said um, the most recent conversations he had with anybody who had been in a position to say if it was going to be released said it wouldn't be soon. The way it's been explained to me is there isn't been enough interest high enough up to go through what it would take to put it out, and there isn't an interest in releasing this content on Disney Plus from Lucasfilm. Do you know what it might be? It might be sweary. It might be more in that robot chicken family guy vein, and they're not keen on it. That might be it. I thought it was more aimed at... um, I thought it was more of a kid show. It was, yeah, because there's a whole thing here about how they weren't sure if um, a comedy was the right way to introduce a franchise to new new people. Oh, well, I'm just wrong then. <laughs> Which is fine. Um, but, yeah, it's it's interesting that it's all done and it's sat on a shelf somewhere. That's crazy. Um, well, sp- speaking of, just, just very quickly, and then I, I promise, Kev, you will get your turn. Um, we didn't mention Ahsoka, and I'm, uh, that's not a surprise. <laughs> it's... it's... Like it's it's halfway through and I don't think it's um really hit its stride yet. I've not watched any, but I've heard good things about episode four. Oh, oh well, maybe I'll check out episode four. The first three episodes, oh. it's like, can something happen, please? And it's like, wait, wait. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. I uh, again, I don't like the decision they made about Sabine. No, it seems odd. No, it's um, not. It's yeah. But we'll we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I I think mate. Stuff's happened in episode four, so we'll see what follows on from that. Cool. Anyway, Kev, what is your pick of the month for TV? Yeah, so it's another show, sort of, you're saying the follow-ups to Buffy. I mean, kind of, um, but like the idea, could maybe you could trace it back, um, it's Reaper. Um, and this was a show that uh, was about someone whose father or his parents had basically made a deal um, that their their son would be owned by the devil, essentially. Um, and they were tricked into having kids. And on the 21st birthday, this guy finds out that he has to uh, work for the devil and go and chase down um, demons or escapees from hell or people who are messing up around Earth uh, on behalf of the devil. Um, do you, either of you remember the show? I remember some bits yeah, of it. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, the it was devil kind of, was really well um, cast and done. Yeah, so the, the devil's Ray Wise, who's probably most famous for uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, um, he's also yeah, he's in Mad Men. He's, he's been in lots of things, but yeah, he he was great. He was very like char- charming but threatening. Like at any point, like you do not want to mess with this person. But yeah, he's he's also got that fun. Like yeah, I'm in control here, um, but I'm part of the, I'm I will let you sort of be a bit quirky and silly. Um, and yeah, they they sort of had to catch. They, they worked in a hardware store, and they sort of had to catch the demons in things like vacuum cleaners and things like that. It was yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's similar lines to Chuck. They, it was a yeah demon of the week. They, they were quirky geeks catching demons um, in silly ways. Um, yeah, uh, it didn't last as long as Chuck. It lasted two seasons, which I was surprised. I assumed it would be cancelled after one season because um, this was Kevin Smith, wasn't it? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I, I think this was viewers. I think he, made, he might do. He might have directed some, maybe. Yeah, or produced or something like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I'll have a look. I, I remember one of the, the sp- guy who played. Um, hang on, Matt. Sorry. Oh, I was. Uh, uh, I was just going to say the one specific one I remember was the guy who is like a starfish man, and 
He's impregnated. He works at the sperm bank, and he's um, replaced all of the men's sperm with basically his own. Oh yeah, yeah, which is grim because it's real and has happened several times (laughs) from different. Like yeah, yeah. I remember that one quite specifically. That he was like a weird starfish dude as well. Yeah. I I can remember the finale where he, it turns out that they have things like it turns out that um Sam his dad is a demon and thing you know it's always one of these like like I said about Chuck's like oh it turns out my mum's a spy yeah um, but he he tries to get out of his deal because he has uh, a relationship with someone and he's trying to like have a normal life where he's not doing this he's not owned by the devil and he has like a he's really good at like flipping a coin to like a shot glass. Um, and he challenges the devil to a game where it's like if he wins, he will in any game, he'll he wins, he gets out the deal. Um and like the devil makes it so that he like breaks his hand before ah. before the contest. So it's like the yeah, the devil always wins type thing. And I think he had to put up another soul as collateral and that's yeah, that's what was gonna be season three. But yeah, it was cancelled after two seasons. It was it was good. It was Shame. a fun show. Again, very much of its time, I think. Um that, that idea like with continuity interesting like villain character who uh and yeah a case of the week type thing the guy um who played sock tyler labine oh yeah sock is um he's so he's now in a, a hospital drama called uh new amsterdam which my partner watches and so my head ca- he's, he plays the head of psychiatry in it. <laughs> so right. my head canon is that that's that's what happens after Reaper is Sock goes off and he gets a medical diploma and he becomes a psychiatrist. Gets off the of weed. The yeah. Absolute because of all the shit he sees, he's like, Jesus Christ, I need to go and level up <laughs> and he goes off and becomes a psychiatrist. That's that's pretty good, yeah. No, I, I remember Reaper, but I think I think for me, I, I, again, it, it was one of those ones where I think it was a Kevin Smith. I want to say it was a Kevin Smith related. Yeah, it didn't, didn't say so. Maybe directed some episodes because of the, and it was more because of the the weed joke factor. Like there, I think there were a few elements of like, oh, they're high. That's the joke. Like, okay. Yeah, I th- Chuck Chuck was better. Yeah, but yeah. you know, I, I liked it, but I don't think I don't think I watched season two. I think I just watched season one. But, uh, I can't see any involvement from Kevin Smith or viewers. Where have I got that from then? Don't know where I've got that from, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, I'm, I'm just wrong, I guess. Finally, he's admitted it. Yeah, I'll admit when I'm wrong. Sometimes, maybe, possibly. Oh, he directed the pilot episode. There we oh, go. Okay. There we you go. Wrong. See, vindication. I'm never wrong, even when I lie and say that I'm wrong. It's just to make these chuds feel better, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and he served as a consultant on the series. There we go. Okay, so there was a connection. I wasn't. I wasn't completely out of my mind. There was a connection. No. But uh, yeah, cool. Right. That I think is about it for us this week. Well, it's been lovely hanging out with you guys. Uh, so our next episode will be about September of 2017. Um, we just decided. Like, we did roll the dice. I promise you, it just rolled into another seven. So there we go. Nice. Well, we're just we're just doing the years. Yeah, we're just doing the we, years. That's the theory, because then we can do like a month of October yeah, yeah. stuff. So hopefully, pick up some spooky films. Yeah, and when it's Christmas time, we could do Christmas time. Be nice. Yeah. Um, lovely. When no games and albums go. All it remains for me to say is I've been Matthew Wynn. I've been joined, of course, by the lovely Christopher Hodgkinson. 
Pisces. And the wonderful Kevin Jones. Pisces. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you've enjoyed this, please check out the Culture Chronicles by our friend Khan. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye.